Well, we have a packed day today as a church family, and this morning we get to celebrate baptisms together, and uh, so I want to invite this morning Glenn and Miriam Drummond to come on up and join me here. We're going to do their testimony interview style, and uh, I'm excited to introduce them to you. They have come all the way from sunny California, and uh, they are learning, I think, well, Miriam is from this area, but I think Glenn is learning how to cope with this uh, winter, the thing we call winter. This <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to, we'll just pass the mic back and forth if you don't mind, but you know what's a special thing for us is we always want to be growing as a family because we believe that Jesus Christ has given us a mission and he's, he's sent us in Matthew 28, you know, 18 to 20 he describes to his disciples what he wants them to be about, the business of the Father, which is to make disciples, as they're going about daily life, to make disciples. And, but there's another great way that we love to grow as a church, too, and that's when God sends people from somewhere else, and they find a home here in Cornerstone. And we're so thankful to God that he's actually brought you on that journey. And so I'll, I'll give you a chance to introduce yourselves a little bit here, but I want to introduce... Uh, a topic that we don't always talk about in baptism is that we are part of a conference called the Mennonite Brethren. And uh, way back hundreds of years ago, um, we interpreted scriptures to really mean as Mennonites uh, that baptism should be upon the confession of your faith. And so when you're old enough to confess your own faith, then baptism should follow that and you enter into the waters of baptism. So our tradition, that's how we interpret the scriptures to mean and so we give the people options as, as people have, have grown up in the faith and some have come from other faith traditions who practice baby or infant baptism. We give them the option to join into our family and through the waters of baptism and through that understanding. And of course, you can be part of our family nonetheless, but part of that uh, understanding for us is, is to be involved in a, at a leadership level, to be involved at a level where where we believe that you're on the same confession of faith as us, then we invite people into the waters of baptism upon their confession of faith. And so, so that's what you've chosen. And what I'm so blessed by, actually, is your humility in choosing that. That's a big choice. Uh, as folks who grew up in the church and different church traditions, each of you, and to, uh, your parents making that choice to, to have you baptized into the church at that time in your tradition, but to say, you know what, we love Cornerstone so much that we want to be part of this family. And so thank you so much for your humility in that. We want to celebrate that with you this morning. And so I want to just ask you, I'll pass it, and then you guys can pass it between you. So where did you grow up, uh, and where are you coming from? Don't mind the shaking, but <laughs> um, I'm Miriam. I was raised in Hamilton Mountain by a father, which uh, Glenn likes to refer to as a creaster, uh, a guy who attends church Christmas and Easter. And then my mother, who was a great believing woman, um, and she, at the beginning, made us to go to church, uh, which, as we, my, my, more so myself, my brother was uh, a typical boy and just kind of running around. But I found church to be my home, and uh, um, we'd go every Sunday, and <laughs> it was funny. Uh, I would even join the junior choir, which if uh, Jake is here and Marg. No, I did not learn to read music even then, but they're going to teach me one day, so I'm looking forward to that. But 
I loved going to church, and I found the church my home and became very much part of the church on the um, committees there and everything. And um, just as I was growing up, that uh, uh, that became my my everything, and uh, to which I referred to all the time in my actions. And so that's the beginning. Well, for me, even though we moved here from California for about eight years and lived in that wonderful sunny climate, I actually grew up in Chicago, so I do recall memories of snow. Yeah, and uh, I, I was uh, born and raised into a Catholic family, so my, my parents sent my sister and I to a Catholic school growing up. So, you know, we were baptized as babies and went through confirmation to receive the Holy Spirit in seventh grade, but never adult baptized. And uh, I know we're going to talk about that. But so I have a background through Chicago and through my career moved throughout the states a lot until we decided to move back home for Miriam to be near her mom. So obviously faith was a part of your growing up years. Uh, what did Jesus mean to you in your younger years? And what has he meant to you now kind of in, in these years for you? Um, as you know, when you're younger, you want to very much fit in with your peers and stuff. And I just felt at an early age that I was uh, peculiar, which in First Peter 2.9, God calls us to be a peculiar people. Well, I was saying that earlier, I think he gave me a, an extra dose of that. Um, so as a young kid, I felt very peculiar and going to a public school system um, feeling that way was challenging for me. So my early years with Jesus, he was my strength. And uh, just, you know, I've, I fought against, um, I guess, people in general because I didn't fit in with them. So my praying time with him was more of a um, just a fear-based and confusion as I was growing up. And then it became more my strength. And as I believed and read more of the scripture, um, just, you know, that we are joint heirs through him. And um, then it became kind of, do you know who I am? And kind of me believing who I was in Christ and, and getting stronger in my faith that way where I wasn't afraid anymore at all. And it was kind of like, you know, you're discerning all the time if it's every situation in life is a good, bad, evil, godly, holy, etc., and then if, you know, you're discerning that it was not so great, it was kind of like, you know, one who has more authority than you is now in the house. Like, you get to leave the building now, you know, in Jesus' name. So it changed as I grew older, the more heart of gratitude with Jesus as I did when I was younger. So it was more of a, oh, thank God, get me out of this situation or whatever. But so that's what he's meant to me over my life. It's a really good question, Matt, because, uh, you know, I guess as I've gotten older, I think Jesus is everything for me. You know, he, um, when I grew up as a kid and went through the Catholic journey, you know, it was a, I don't want to say a biblical figure, but, you know, as Catholics, we really didn't get into the Bible and read the Word. And certainly as um, probably over the last 15, 20 years, I really started to get into the Word after I left the Catholic faith and really got into more of an evangelical um, church back in Arizona and then in California, and the word started to come alive to me. So for me, Jesus has always been with me, but I certainly didn't reach out to him in good times and bad. And it really wasn't until I was 20 when uh, I was delivered some bad news and I was told I had cancer. And 
had a 60% chance of survival. And I think at that point, your faith's going to go one way or the other. You're either going to walk away from the Lord feeling angry and abandoned, or you're going to choose him. And for me, it was a choice, and I chose Jesus. And I think at that point, you know, my faith has continued to grow. And uh, I know a little bit about... um which I'm so excited to see how you're living out what Christ has done in your life right where you are in that call. Can you share a little bit about your passion, about what Christ has done in you and your call to mission even? What, what has he done in your heart that way? We've learned our body language. I know she's processing or processing, as we say here. Um, you know, for us, since... Since we met, we've been very, very involved in our churches. We have led life groups. Uh, we did a lot of life group leader training. We were greeters at our church. Um, even back as a Catholic, I delivered communion to the, the sick in hospitals and shut-ins. So I've always been wanting to, to kind of walk with the Lord. But, you know, as you start to read Scripture, uh, Colossians 2, six, and Paul tells us that, Therefore, as you receive Christ as the Lord, therefore walk in him, you know, rooted and built up in faith. And for me, it was, I've got to start living a better life. I'm choosing Jesus to follow Jesus. And I think it's First John that uh, tells us in 3.22, you know, we receive whatever we ask from him because we uh, follow his commandments and do what pleases him. So for me, I'm finding... Every day we wake up in the morning and we choose Jesus aloud. And you might think that's funny, but we do that for a purpose because we want the devil to know, oh, crap, they're up. I don't know if I can say crap in church, but <laughs> I just did it twice. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm American. <laughs> but for us, yeah, we, we want to we choose Jesus every single day. And so for us, it's, it's getting involved and, and helping to give back and, and uh, advance the kingdom for his purpose, not for ours. It's all his glory. Like Glenn said, we um, always had that servant's heart. And, uh, you know, you're going to, in all of our peculiarity, we're going to ask you to accept us into the church. So um, thank you for doing that ahead of time. We're at your service. <laughs> um, but we have been very involved in marriage ministry and, and mentoring one-on-one, and uh, we're both pretty feisty in our believing, and we, uh, at home, we have worship music going all the time, and we're just bouncing around with hands up in the air, and um, we both have a fighter mentality. In fact, Glenn's a, an ex-Gold Glove boxer, and we just know that instead of always kind of going, like, blocking the enemy's punches, once in a while, you have to kind of just give him one back with the word, and so... We just know how important it is, sorry, uh, to spend time with him, like just even some worship music, but just really hunker down and get into the word, because that, we, we actually always talk about um, the newborn again, pe- people who are, don't have Christ and then have it in their later years and how fired up they are. Well, we've always known who we are. As a four-year-old girl, I was, I was thanking Father for the beautiful playground, et cetera. But to keep us fired up, because we don't have that new born-again zest, is to spend time with him, to really, really spend time, like a couple hours a day. When I was in California, I didn't work. I volunteered a lot, but I had hours and hours 
every day to just soak in his presence. And now we've uh, reversed our roles, and Glangus has been t- tons of time with Father every day, too. So, yeah, we're both a couple of idiots when it comes to yeah, Jesus freaks <laughs> in our house. Well, now you're joining a peace church, so that's a... Uh, you got to... So you have to fight in secret, because um, we Mennonites do a lot of things in secret. That's what happens. I'm, uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm half Mennonite and half Irish, so I got the fighting Irish in me, too. I get it. There's always this constant battle in, internally. Why do you guys want to get baptized today? Uh, for you all, just to uh, show you how much we love Jesus, and um, that's pretty much it for me. Um, just following his word, and just want you all to know uh, what you're getting yourselves into, honestly. For me, it's a little bit different. It's, it's that too, but it's, you know, God doesn't work in coincidence, and uh, it was probably a couple of years ago before we moved here through our former church, we were watching adults be baptized, and I would come home and say, you think we should be baptized? And, you know, something would come up, and we would pass it by, and of recent in our life group, after we finished the wonderful book that Matt introduced us to on hospitality, I was kind of praying as a leader of our group, going, Lord, what do you want us to, to study next? And he kept putting in my heart Acts. And it was kind of ironic because if you study Acts, you see a lot of adult baptism that, that's going on. And uh, I thought, okay, well, here's another coincidence. And then, of course, meeting with Matt and Kevin and saying, well, you know, Mennonite brethren, doctrine, being adult, uh, baptized. And I thought, okay, so how many times does God need to slap me upside the head to say, maybe you should be baptized as an adult, a chance to proclaim your faith as an adult instead of as a child where you're baptized and not able to speak. So that's why I want to do it. Appreciate it. Uh, Can I just pray for you before we head off? And then we'll invite Misuk up to share her story. I don't see her yet, but yeah, come on up. Lord Jesus, thanks so much for Glenn and Miriam. Thank you for your blessing in their life, their testimony that right from the very beginning they had parents and family members who were pursuing you and knew the importance of of faith in the church. And we're so thankful that you've stuck with them. Thank you that you're the God who who, uh, never lets us go. Thank you, Jesus, that you said that, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that we are in your hand and no one can pluck us from that spot. So we thank you for their testimony of faith. Thank you that they have such a heart for mission that that right where they live, they walk the neighborhoods and they pray and they, they want to see disciples made for you. We thank you so much for their testimony in that way. And so today we celebrate with them as they proclaim who you've been to them, who you are to them, and who they know that you'll be to them uh, in the waters of baptism. Amen. Hello. I'm so more nervous than my wedding. <laughs> even, <laughs> even I forgot everything. <laughs> um, by the way, they, their English is so amazing. <laughs> I asked uh, reading some paper for this time. Uh, because English is my second language. Sorry for that. 
<coughs> in advance, thanks to all our church family for taking honor of this moment, uh, let me introduce myself briefly to help you to understand why I want to take the baptize. Uh, I'm from Korea to study with two of my kids, Jerry and Jason. And now I'm a PhD student in Brown University. I have studied in science field, including chemistry, molecular biology, and clinical trials for 15 years. Uh, looking back my background, I had so many chances to the Christian. For example, my country has strong environment Christianity. As the biggest church in the world is in Seoul, capital city. However, I never get into any Christianity because as a scientist, I was trained to think objectively during research. We ought to, in every instance, to submit our reasoning to the test of experiment. Especially when I read the Bible, there's one sentence which I have never understood with that we are sinners. Why? I have never done any other sin or illegal crime. Even I never been absent in school. <laughs> in explanation, I dare would say that in nature, we cannot escape from our sin. Here is one scientific theory, which is butterfly effect. The concept is that the flapping of the wings of the distant butterfly uh, eventually can be a tornado being influenced by gradually step, which means that when we work in our backyard, we might kill small bugs and insects being innocent, or sometimes we might hurt other people while we are doing our works in your workplace, school, even your home, whether it is on purpose or not. We always make mistakes in nature, even at this moment. In John chapter 8, verses 7, Anyone here who has never seen can throw the first stone at her. Fortunately, since I have attended worship in our church after invite from Greg and Anne family in 2015, there have been so many amazing moments that encouraged and inspired me. One of Kevin's sermon made me realize where we are from, where to go, and where is our home. And God is coming soon not to judge us, but to save us. One of Matthew's sermon make me, make me awake. We are all the same as children of God. Furthermore, Jeff and Josh show me, read, show me how to read and care of our children 
to be future Christian. Besides, it is impossible to describe our care group's genuine effort to embrace me, and also they gave me the exact answer what is the hospitality in Christianity. My lovely Anne and Amber never give up to be teacher for me when I had some abstract questions. <clears throat> they told me that, they told me, and I never forget, the way to be real Christian is the wrong journey. Armed Bible scripture through pray and faith in God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now I have to confess. I feel more free after I concede I'm a sinner than I believe in, in God, Jesus, Holy Spirit being always with us, so I will live in his word. Thank you. We'll continue in this wonderful uh, morning by reading uh, from God's Word. Today it's John 14, verses 27 to 31. And if you'd like to follow in your pew Bibles, that'll be on page 764. John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give, with, give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of God. We're in this uh, great section of the scripture this year where Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and he is uh, uh, mere hours away from crucifixion at the hands of the Romans and is speaking. It's the largest uh, single section of teaching that we have uh, of Jesus. And he's uh, preparing his disciples to live as sent ones, to be those who would be flung out into the world to scatter all throughout the world with the DNA of the kingdom and the good news of the kingdom uh, to share and to see the life of Jesus, his life spread uh, all throughout the world. And we're seeing here in John chapter 14 how Jesus gives gifts for this quest. Many of the, the great stories that include the que uh, a great quest, the, um, those who are on the quest are given, are given gifts. You think of Lord of the Rings or even um, 
You think of the, in Narnia as Father Christmas gives the sword and the vial and, and all of those things. Well, here Jesus is giving his disciples gifts that they will need on their quest as they will live uh, not in his physical presence, but take the DNA of the kingdom uh, all and spread it all throughout the world. Last week, we talked about this great gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised and that Jesus has subsequently sent. Today, we're going to talk about this great uh, notion of peace that Jesus uh, here says to his disciples, as you are going to live as sent ones, as you'll be my representatives and ambassadors, I'm going to give you a remarkable sense of peace. I'm going to give you true and lasting peace. And we're, so that's what we're going to speak about this morning, think about and open our hearts to receive the peace of Jesus that he wants to give us uh, today. So there's three great ideas uh, in this text about uh, Jesus' peace. He, uh, the first is really that Jesus is the giver of peace. You see that? He says, my peace I give to you. So that's pretty uh, straightforward in that text. So I want to dwell on that uh, this morning. My peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So that we're going to talk about how do we receive the peace of Jesus, that, that Jesus is the giver of peace. Uh, we want to see that his peace, the peace of Jesus, is different than uh, the other kinds of peace that we uh, are promised in this world. He says, not as the world. Uh, I do not give it to you as the world gives. So he's saying there's, there's something different about the kinds of peace that, that Jesus uh, wants to give and, and, and impart to us than the peace that we would receive otherwise in this world. So we're going to talk about those differences and look at some of the counterfeit kinds of peace that our hearts are drawn to at times. And then Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And we're going to talk about this morning how uh, the peace of Jesus is really the antidote to fear in our lives. The antidote to fear. So we're going to work through those three ideas that Jesus is the giver of peace, what's, that he's... It's his peace that uh, he's giving. We're going to talk about that his peace is different than the other kinds of peace and that his peace is the antidote to fear. And we're going to work through those things backwards today. So first of all, that the peace of Jesus is the antidote to fear. Uh, um, There's a lot of things that we think about maybe uh, when you think about the scripture and what it means to follow Jesus. uh, And you think... uh, where we actually think wrongly and unbiblically. And one of, those, one of the ways in which we can think uh, wrongly is that Christians are always supposed to be happy. And uh, Christians should never have trouble. Uh, but we should be, you know, the shiny, happy, smiley people all the time. But we're never told in the Scriptures never to be sad. We're never told to be sad. In fact, we're expected that, and many times we're going to be people of sorrow and sadness. That, he's, that, that one of the promises of the Holy Spirit, one of the promises of Jesus is he's going to remove from us a heart of stone, a hard heart, and give us a heart of flesh, a soft heart. That we're going to be the kinds of people to follow Jesus means you're going to actually get in, in touch with the, the sorrow and the oppression and the injustice and the brokenness of this world. And, and, and our, our hearts are going to break as we see poverty and injustice and hatred and racism and and, and all of the brokenness of this world, our hearts are going to break as we are softened to it and as we come up against it. Jesus himself was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, the scriptures say. And so it is not a biblical test 
of your Christianity and your growth in, in faith, your growth in relationship with Jesus, is not a test to say, you know, are you becoming more and more of a happy person? But here, here is a true biblical test. Are, if your relationship with God is growing, your fears will be diminishing. Because we are told all throughout the scriptures, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus often said, fear not. Don't be afraid. And here he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. That the peace that he gives is actually the antidote to fear in our lives. Why? Well, fear is actually a result of sin. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but fear, being, the sense of being afraid, is actually a fruit of sin in this world. One, in fact, it's one of the very first effects of sin entering this world is, was the entrance of fear. Maybe you remember the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden, lived in perfect relationship with God. It says they walked with God in the cool of the day, which sounds refreshing and nice. And uh, they had this great fellowship with God. They were naked and not ashamed, it says. They were uh, completely vulnerable, completely known, completely loved. And really the essence of sin is saying to God, I don't want you, I don't need you. And that's what Adam and Eve did as they ate the forbidden fruit, right? As they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they're saying, we know better than you, God. You're, you're, they believe the lie of the serpent that said, God's repressing you. God's just holding you in. You're actually, he's, uh, he's oppressing you. The, the road to freedom, the road to find your true self is to take this tree. God knows that you're going to be like him if you take it. And so, um, so what Adam and Eve decided and chose is, I, I, we don't need you, God. We don't want you. We don't want to follow after you. We don't need you in our lives. And it says they were immediately naked and ashamed. They were filled with shame. And, and God came to walk with them again in the cool of the day. And Adam says, we heard you coming and we were afraid, so we hid. And one of the very first results of sin entering this world is this great sense of fear that this relationship with God was broken And now they're vulnerable and exposed and defenseless. You see, we think God's keeping us under under his thumb. You know, we think sometimes God is repressing us and God's just here to be the cosmic killjoy in our lives and, and, and we need to get free from him. But the truth of the matter is, and the truth of the scriptures teaches that when we move away from God and we move away from his, his ways and his will and relationship with him, we're actually moving towards a life of fear and worry and anxiety. You know, but that's a common, it's a common objection to Christianity is really, you know, it's just fear-based religion. Religion is the opiate of the masses, Mark said, Right? Religion is just is, is, is to keep people in line. Religion is just binding you up with fear. But that's a lie. That as you move away from God, that you're going to be free from fear. The Bible says the opposite. That if God is, you know, if, if, if you right now are, are kind of hesitant of, of really going all in with God, of really pushing all your chips into the middle of the table with to follow God with your whole heart, and you're like, it's kind of going to cramp my style, whether that's financially or sexually or, um, or professionally. Uh, it's just not, it's not advantageous to me. It's kind of cramping my style. You're actually, what the scriptures say is you're actually moving towards fear. You're actually moving towards fear. Because as you, 
if, if, you're, if you're saying to God, I don't need you or I don't want you, eventually you're going to realize that you're alone and helpless and powerless in this world. Many, many of us in this room are perfectionists, right? Hands up if you're a perfectionist. There we go, yeah. Bro, what's perfectionism? Perfectionism is really a sense that, you know, God, I don't, I'm not sure that you're in control, or even if you are, I don't think you're going to get it right, so I'm going to step in here. I don't need you to be in control. I'll take it from here. Right? That's, that's really the heart of perfectionism, uh, and which is a, a, a really a fear-based, I don't think God's going to get it right, so I better. Right? I don't need you, God. Here, I don't want you to take control. I'm, I've, I've got this one just covered. But really what we do that is we're moving towards fear. Think of, um, think of the child in the mall, right? So uh, parents, you've been here. You uh, take your kid to the Eaton Center or some you know, vast mall, and they're uh, three years old, and you're holding their hand, right? They can walk on their own. And they're like thinking, Mom, I got this, right? The child saying, I don't, I don't need your hand. I, I got this. I can walk. I'm a, I'm a big kid now, right? And eventually, maybe like, mom, you know the feeling, right? Every mom, every dad's lost their kid at some point. It's a weekly occurrence for me. Um, and and, and you're, you, you get focused and you're looking at something on the shelf. And so your hand is free and the kid's like, here's my chance. Here's my chance to make it on my own in this big, wide world, to show mom that I can do it. And they wander off. And what's the, uh, what's the sense? They're like, I know, I know the way back. I know the way back. And eventually they get to the ice cream shop or, or the candy store or whatever, right? And then all of a sudden they're like, I have no idea where mom is, right? And panic and fear because they thought they could make it on this, in this mall all on their own. But no, I can't. I don't know the way back. I don't know the way back. I'm lost and I'm alone in this vast sea. Some of us feel like we've kind of been flung out into the universe to make it on our own. We were built to hold God's hand. We were built to to walk through this life holding God's hand with him there. We're too small for the position we've taken. And friends, the only solution is to get back to the parent and actually admit, I need you. Right? Some of us are so stubborn. We're like a kid in the mall. We're like, uh, I think mom's over there, but I'm going this way. And I'll ask that guy, and he's going to give me a ride, right? He might be a kidnapper, but at least I won't have to admit to my mom that I was wrong and that I couldn't do it on my own. The only solution is to admit that we have a need, that I'm lost, and I need you, and I should have known better. The peace of Jesus is the, is the antidote to fear in this world. It's, in fact, the very opposite of fear. The peace that he gives, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, so your hearts don't have to be troubled and you don't have to be afraid because I'm with you and I'm for you and I've got you. Second idea is that Jesus' peace is better. Jesus' peace is better than all of the counterfeit options that we have out there. Jesus, the peace that Jesus gives is actually based in reality. That's one of the ways in which Jesus' peace is different than the offerings of this world, is that it's actually based in reality. You know, talk to doctors or nurses or police officers or anyone who, who really sees the brokenness and the problems of this world every day. 
Some of you are in the room, right? You are like pushed up against the reality of the brokenness of this world every single day, and it's right in your face, and it's in your nose. And you, I, again, I've talked to lots of these people, and you say, how do you manage? How do you manage like the stress of that and the, and the, the reality of that, of that? And most of them say, well, I just try not to think about it. Just try to do my job. The world's peace comes by closing our eyes to the reality of this life. Medicate yourself on Netflix. Right? You come home and you're like, I don't want to think about it anymore. Turn on the TV and binge watch. This is us or whatever, right? Medicate ourselves with Netflix. But Christian peace is actually thinking harder about reality. I'm an adopted child of God. The God who made all of this loves me like his son, like his daughter. He's for me. He's not against me. What does that mean for me? It's actually opening your eyes more and more. It's thinking more, not thinking less. God is holy and just, and so he's going to deal with this brokenness and the, 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 this brokenness of this world and the sin and the injustice of this world. He's actually going to deal with it. I don't have to do it. Um, we're, Matt and I were just in uh, Burundi, which is a country on Canada's no-fly zone. If you go to the government of Canada's website, it says avoid all travel to Burundi uh, because it's a pretty unstable place at the moment. And um, we were kind of like, I think it was the second day we were there and we were there with a bunch of other Canadians uh, as well. And we were talking about like, oh, what are we struggling with right now? And um, the day before I had kind of, we were stopped at a stop sign. Um, No, we were, because there aren't stop signs, but we were in traffic or something. And uh, a truck, a, a pickup truck drove by, and there was about eight guys in the back, all with loaded machine guns, you know, and, um, and, and the way that they hold them is like, us in that car, like, it's eye level, right? Like, there's a, a barrel of a gun, like, four or five feet, right at my head, pointed right at my head, and I kind of had the thought, this dude could pull the trigger, maybe he goes over a bump, and oh, boom. Right? Like, and, and like, no, like, he could do it with impunity. Like, no one's going to, no one cares, really. Right? There's no justice, real justice system there. And I was just like, whoa. Like, and anyhow, so that was, I'd been thinking about that. And I, the Lord had actually given me a thought that I had the opportunity to share. Someone else was, so the next day, someone was sharing, you know, just how, man, we're here. And I'm, I'm just really struggling with fear. Like, are we going to be safe? Are we going to, like, make it out? And, and I just said, you know, uh, the Lord told me yesterday, he says, for those who are in Christ, there's no stray bullets. And he kind of laughed. He's like, that's not helpful. But it's, but it's true, right? It is true. That's all things work together for good. I know, I know your days. Your n- days are numbered. So if you get hit with a bullet in the head... It wasn't an accident. It wasn't stray. It was meant for your good. There's no stray bullets. We're walking with the God of the universe, holding his hand. What bad could come? When you actually start to think about reality as as what's really, really, really real, man, 
That's true peace. There's no stray bullets. There's no stray bullets for me. Jesus' peace is better not only because it's based in reality, but because it's so constant. What's this world's peace based on? This world's peace is based on your circumstances. I got a raise, so I'm feeling good today. I got a promotion. This really good-looking guy asked me out, so I'm feeling good about myself. Whatever, whatever circumstances you've, you're in, they're like a bubble ready to burst at any moment. That job, yeah, that's not stable. And even like the, the, the lasting long things in this life, right? Like a marriage, and it's great, and it's awesome. I hate to burst your bubble, but one or, one or both of you are going to die, right? That marriage isn't forever either. This world's peace, which is based on circumstances uh, like bubbles that will eventually burst. But Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, though the earth give way, though the mountains be thrown into the heart of the sea, I will not be afraid. If the mountains are being thrown into the depths of the sea, everything, every circumstance in your life that is giving you peace is being moved. And is going with it, right? Your house, your job, your spouse, your family, they're all going with it. But God is an ever-present help. He's my refuge and my strength. Christian peace doesn't change even when your body dies. I was reflecting, on, and um, many of you know Darren Fast, a young man who passed away just over a year ago from cancer. And six months before he passed away, he was diagnosed and I'll never forget him coming uh, to my office, and he sat down with Jeff and I, and, and Darren, was a, he was a guy, he was a very, very anxious, often struggled with kind of weird fears and, and anxiety, and um, he shared how he'd been diagnosed with cancer earlier that day, and he was like, how are you feeling? And he remember him saying, I just have this great peace. I have a great peace. And that peace never really left him through all, all those months. He says, God's for me. God's for me. I know that he's with me. I know his will is going to be done in my life. Even, even in the midst of a cancer diagnosis of a young man, God's peace is constant. God's pe- Jesus' peace is based in reality, and it's constant. It's not wavering. And so, friends, Jesus is the giver of peace. Really, it's, it's, it's important for us to understand the context here when we understand that Jesus is really the giver of peace, that it's his peace. Jesus is talking about his impending death, right? That's why he's talking in this passage about, I'm going away. And he constantly, throughout the, these chapters, is saying, I'm going away. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. You're not going to see me in a, like, in a day. You're not going to see me any longer. He's talking about his, his death. But here he's saying, he's, talk, he's saying, I'm going away, but what am I leaving behind? I'm peace. My peace I leave with you. When someone dies and we talk about what they leave behind, we're talking about what? About their inheritance, right? The inheritance. The, this is Jesus' last will and testament right here. Is, is him saying, my peace. What I'm leaving behind for you, my kids, is peace. Well, friends, you don't get the inheritance until the person dies, right? You don't get the inheritance until the person dies. His peace can only 
come through his death, that he's died for us. You know, Jesus' peace, there's three dimensions to the, to the peace of, of God in, in the scripture. It's more than just, you know, placid tranquility, right, that avoids all conflict. That's not what the peace of God is all about. The peace of God, shalom, is the well-being and flourishing and wholeness and, and wellness. There's three dimensions. There's an up dimension, peace with God, Romans 5, 1. Therefore, now we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That, we are, that, that Jesus, through the death of Jesus, he declares an end to the hostility between us and God. You know, we've, in Adam and Eve, and every day by the choices we make, we declare war on God and fire the first shot, right? And, and Jesus says, no, I'm here to restore peace, to restore relationship. And for God to give us peace is really to, for him to turn his face towards us. Many of us know that great blessing in Numbers 6.26 that includes, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord turn his countenance or his face towards you and give you peace. For him to really look upon you and you're in relationship and you're restored with peace. There's an up dimension. There's an out dimension. Peace with God. Peace with others as well. That sin alienates us from each other. Adam and Eve started blaming each other. But Jesus has come to make one new humanity. Jew and Gentile. Male and female. Black and white and red and yellow. All together. Peace with others. And then inward peace. Personal serenity. Faith that transcends understanding. Peace that passes all understanding. Faith that transcends trouble. And really, friends, what I want us to see here is that it's holistic. Like the up, in, and out, the peace with God, peace with others, peace with myself, internal serenity. Don't aim for two out of three, right? It's not a meatloaf song, right? It's not two out of three ain't bad, right? It's, it's don't say, well, I, I'm going to be okay with myself and I'm going to be okay with God and to heck with the rest of you, right? You bunch of idiots, Right? If you've got a trail of broken relationships in your wake, right? And you've got, a, you, you, you got all kinds of people who used to be your friends. That's not the peace of God. The peace of God includes peace with him, peace with each other, and internal serenity and peace as well. Romans chapter 8 is the place to go for the peace of God to come into your life. I, Romans chapter 8, we, like, we, need to, we need to come back to that over and over again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Peace with God. Peace with God. If God is for us, who can be against us? What shall separate me from the love of Christ? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Cry out. The, you know, the Christian... To receive the peace of God is, is, is constantly we need to say to her, you know, shut up, heart of mine, with all your performance-based, you know, anxiety. You're never going to be my peace. Jesus is my peace. Shut up, world, with all your opinions and your changing fashions. Jesus is my peace. Shut up, death. Do your worst. See what happens. Don't forget last week, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives this peace. And his ammunition is the word of God. And we need to work it in. So this week, go to Romans 8. Spend spend time in Romans chapter 8. There is no condemnation. God is for you. He's adopted you. Who can be against you if God is for you? Nothing will ever separate you from the love of Christ. 
If you'll allow, if you'll open your heart for the Holy Spirit to work these truths down deep in your life, you'll know true and lasting peace. Peace that's constant and peace that is based in reality, the reality of what Jesus has accomplished for you on his death on the cross, his resurrection, ascension to the right hand of God the Father, that he's praying for you right now, that he has sent the Holy Spirit to live with you now and forever, and that he is imminently going to return to usher in a kingdom of peace. Peace with God, peace with each other, and internal peace. Let's pray. So, Father, we're thankful that you have sent your one and only Son. And Holy Spirit, we open our hearts right now to receive your word. Jesus, we want to receive your peace. We want to walk with confidence and serenity, with peace with each other, peace with you, peace internally. And so we want to open our hearts to you. As we worship you, would you give us that peace that passes understanding, that isn't based on this world's circumstances. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.